We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Hello and welcome into Mizzou That's Who here on the Kansas City Sports Network, your home for Missouri athletics. I'm home. I'm joined uh, by Gabe DeArmond and Maggie Johnson, as always. Last time we talked, in the middle of these two podcasts, I had a battle with the flu. Uh, influenza a so uh coming off of that so i apologize if you might hear me clear my throat or if you cough or if you hear me blow my nose or make any weird bodily noises i apologize uh good players adjust we're getting through it uh we're going to talk about uh, missouri football and missouri basketball because it is crossover season it is the season uh, where we get to talk a little bit of hoops, a little bit of uh, football as well. Missouri coming off a 21-17 to loss to Kentucky, a game that, um, I don't know, it could have been their best chance to become bowl eligible, to to uh, to get to bowl eligibility in the game. But I'd probably say that before Arkansas lost to Liberty. Um, but Arkansas still is there. They've got a tough game this week against Tennessee, but – uh, Gabe, your first reactions from the 21 to 17 loss from Missouri. Okay, so I actually want to pass this off to Maggie first and to you because mm-hmm. I want to know what you guys were thinking because, like, this fan base has seen some stuff over the last 30 years. So I just want to know on the call, like, first reaction, what you guys were thinking, and then I'll, I'll come back. So. <laughs> There was a point in the game I was seeing, um, I was at the game, I was in Columbia, and it was when the fumble happened, or the fumble that was overturned as a fumble. And I look at my friend, and I like, I've been talking to the guys that sit in the in the row behind me, and I'm like, please just give us this. I'm like, we don't get anything, like, ever. Like, I, it's probably not a fumble, but just give us this call, because it... Oh, and then obviously it was that. And I just knew, like, I just knew in that moment that it nothing was going to go. Our, now, I didn't expect what was going to happen because how could you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've lost in a lot of very weird ways. Like you said, for the past 30 years, I didn't expect a roughing the punter 40 yards behind the line of scrimmage. I don't think anybody expected that. But it just never ends. And you you sit here as a fan, which is like what I am on this podcast. 
And you just have to wonder, like, when will we get our break? And I mean, you can, people will sit there and be like, well, you had 2007 and you had 2013, but it was, ne- we didn't really get anything out of those. I mean, we got a cotton bowl. <laughs> I mean, that's, game. yeah, a decent bowl game, but not even yeah. a BCS game and all of this. So you just, as a fan, you just sit there and you're like, when are we going to not be that joke? Because that's what it feels like. Like at the point I'm having like Iowa state fans and Oklahoma fans reach out to me and be like, man, I didn't realize that your guys' luck was as bad as it is. And obviously not all pl- like those plays don't aren't, aren't the whole game, but they feel like the whole game in that moment. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting because the roughing the roughing the punter obviously is going to be something that's talked about for a while when you talk about this game. Just because that rule is so interesting and the way that they enforce the rule is interesting. And I, I saw people tweet out screenshots of what the rule was and him still being in the tackle box, I think, is the argument that they gave to Drinkwitz. But I don't know if that's what the true intent of the rule when you read the rule is. It's just an interpretation. It's all confusing. It's and that that also comes down to uh, judgment by the by the official uh, is is one of those things. So that's also tough. It seems like a lot of the judgment calls by officials aren't in Missouri's favor. So it's one of those things where it's just like you throw your hands up and you're just like, well, what can we do there? Uh, but I think you can start by you know uh, having a competent offense. Uh, that's probably what you can do. Uh, but I, I thought the defense played well. The offense didn't. And that's just a followed a similar script of Missouri games the whole the whole year. Uh, this is just a game. I think a, kind of a a microcosm of the defense keeping them in a game, the offense flailing and struggling, and then something very weird happens at the end for them yeah. to lose the game. It just followed a, just the same similar script. I was I was fourteen years old, and I remember listening on the radio to the fifth down game. Um, I was at, I was a junior in college. I was covering the, the kicked ball game. Um, and I was a, a, a freshman in college from, for Tyus Edney, but like that, that one's different. That's, Hey, somebody made a play, right? That's not a, a weird, what the hell call at the end. So this one, my first thought was, and I think I might've written this. I said, what I love about this job that I have is literally every day I go to work. I know I might see something I've never seen before. Right. I mean, I did on Saturday. It wasn't really necessarily positive, but I saw something I'd never seen. It's three days later. And I still can't say for sure if the call was right or wrong. I mean, by the letter of the law, you can argue that's the right call. But I, I don't, if they hadn't made that call, I don't really think anybody would have said, well, that should have been roughing the punter. You know, and, and like I, I've been impressed with Missouri. I haven't seen anybody blame Will Norris. There's nothing else that you coach him to do. He did nothing wrong in that situation. Um, it, to tell you the truth, Kentucky got rewarded for doing the wrong thing. Because I promise what Mark Stoops has coached that punter to do in that situation is to kick the ball directly out the back of the end zone. That is what you should do there. You take your safety, you're up 21-19, you free kick to a Missouri offense that is incapable of doing anything. Give them the ball on their 25 and say, if you can go 50 yards and beat us on a field goal with your kicker that 
is kind of 50 50 at this point, then, then more power to you than you just did. Um, but that's what they should have done. They didn't, it worked out for them. But the, the other thing, and like, I will fully admit Missouri has had more of these kick in the nut endings than most teams had, like more than their fair share, but also like, I, the reaction immediately after that game is how come this only happens to us? Well, and I didn't think about this till a couple days later, but think about if that penalty is not called, let's say Missouri gets the ball on the 30 yard line and goes and scores and wins the game. A Kentucky fan goes to bed on Saturday night going literally all we had to do was snap the ball to the punter and we win. <laughs> that, that's all we yeah. had to do. And we couldn't even do that. So I think my point is, I think it does happen to other teams. Now, maybe not quite as often, but I think it does happen to other teams. We just don't really know about them or don't pay attention to them. I, I think an issue with that play, though, too, which is what sucks is, and like you said, it is by the rule, probably the right call. But in the rule, it also says once the kicker establishes that he's going to kick the ball. And that's where it becomes subjective. Yes. And I don't think any referee, I mean, if I was a Kentucky fan in that, and, and I was reading a lot of comments, they're like, well, that's the rule. That's the rule. Like we won because that's the rule. If they were on the other side, they'd feel the exact same way as us. They wouldn't be like, right. well. And if, and if Missouri fans were on the other side, they'd also be saying, well, that's the rule. Exactly. But Missouri fans would be like, oh, my God, a call went our way. Like a call never goes our way. You know, we would just like it would just be this whole like because nobody expected him to snap the ball like that. Not only did we not expect him to kick the ball, get the rough in the punter. No one expect, you know, it's a routine play. This, I mean, do, are there bad snaps all the time? Of course. But it was routine. Well, that that part about establishing himself in, in a kicking position is the part that, like you said, I like. I don't think he established himself in a kicking position, but at the same time, he did kick the ball and it went downfield. So it's hard to say he wasn't in a kicking position because he did kick the ball. So I I don't know if it was the right call. I mean, I don't think anybody could have argued if it wasn't called. That said, the reason they lost that game is they have an offense that can't do anything right for most of the game. Not because of that call. And, and, and I give Missouri fans credit in this. I, I don't think most fans have said that call lost the game. I mean, that call contributed. It, it was a factor. Mm -hmm. But there were a lot of chances in that game for that call to not be a factor. Missouri had 19 yards passing at halftime. They had 80 total yards late in the third quarter. I mean, you don't deserve to win a game where that's the case. Three or Two for 13 on third downs as well. Yeah. Um, that's not going to win you a football game. Uh, one for three on fourth downs, 60 total plays, and they, they ran the same amount of plays as, as, as Kentucky. But um, no, and they were also least penalized. Uh, Kentucky had 12 penalties for 80, 84 yards, Missouri 7 for 71, uh, which is a Missouri team that has seemingly been undisciplined on the penalty side of, of things. Again, the offensive line goes down uh, with another injury. I don't know the severity of, uh, again, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, I'm, but I'm going to mess it up. Go ahead, Gabe. EJ and Doma Ogar, but it sounds like Drinkwood said he'll be out for a while. I mean, there's only he, a while yeah. left in the season. I think he's done. He, he leaving the field, he was not putting any pressure on that. Um, and he was hopping on one foot, leaving the field. It did not look good. So again, the offensive line that is, had a whole lot of trouble protecting is getting new guys shoved in there. Uh, now, what week are we in the season? Week 10, week 11 uh, into the season. 
Um, so that's not going to be good moving forward for the cohesiveness of, of this offense. But yeah, I mean, 232 total yards uh, of offense, 143 passing, 89 on the ground, 3.9 yards per play for the Missouri offense. Um, you look at those numbers, you're like, oh, that's not, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. But as Gabe, no, you mentioned, a lot of those, a lot of those happened in the like fourth quarter um, of, of that offense. So and it is not good. Um, we've conditioned ourselves as Missouri fans to think, look at those numbers and be like, no, it's okay. We, well, we can do something with that. And here's the thing. What did we say last week? What did anybody that was actually paying attention say last week? The offense wasn't great against South Carolina. They just didn't screw up. That's what happened this week. They screwed up. I mean, I mean Brady Cook is rolling right. L- Luther Burden is open. There is a seven-yard throw for a first down. I mean, he just was. I, I don't know how else to say it. But even if you don't throw the ball, okay, you're going to run. Okay, cool, run. Oh, but, like, you just dropped the ball. Like, nobody hit him. Nobody was close to him. He just dropped the ball. And, again, it's not just that this offense makes mistakes. It, it, it's that, it, you know, it's it's not that it backs up over your foot. It's that once it backs up over your foot, it's like, all right, now I'm going to leave this 7,000-pound car here for a minute. Okay, then I'm going to pull forward and I'm going to do it again. And now I want you to just stand in front of my car and I'm just going to flat run over you and you're going to bounce off my windshield. I mean, it's the worst possible thing at every time. Yeah, I. it's just so frustrating. Like you said, I I, I saw obviously the fumble, but it was on the, the, the Kentucky side. So I couldn't necessarily see like if he held the ball out, if it fell out while it was tucked. I'm a, I couldn't I tell. Know. I didn't rewatch it. Um, but a mistake that shouldn't happen. Another thing I feel like we need to talk about though, is the penalty, uh, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on the Kentucky bench. I, um, I got in big, I got in big trouble talking about that on Twitter on Saturday. Well, what did because, you say? Well, well, so, <laughs> so. Understand where I sit. I mean, I've said this a number of times. People watching on TV have a better view of things than I do. I am on the sixth floor on the opposite side of the stadium. So I can see nothing going on live. So I looked, I saw one replay. And on the replay I saw, it looked like Darius Robinson had Trajan Jeffcoat in a bear hug, walking him off the sidelines. And it looked like things kind of, I mean, they were jawing, but it didn't look like anything big was going on. And then Josh Landry kind of came in and shoved somebody. So based on that replay, I tweeted, I said, I think the call is right because it looked to me like Josh Landry escalated this. And oh my God, I mean, like it was the only thing anybody replied to the rest of the game. I had like 150 replies. Um, you know, I was told to F off uh, many things. And I was like, all right, guys, I might be wrong. Like I fully admit I might be wrong here. You know, it's, it's okay. It's, it's not that important, but I, I apparently was wrong and I fully admit I did not see the whole thing. Well, the Twitter video that they have up is not the entire, like the one that you've seen. I mean, I put it up yesterday um, being kind of snarky, but you, you can't see what escalated the issue. You just kind of see them all going at it. But the fact that there's also Kentucky players, number 85 in particular, didn't look up his name or anything, is hanging out in the background, like not involved in it, and then literally just runs up and starts like throwing hands. I mean, there's – and the ref like was right there in that instant. Whenever the original flag was thrown, 
it was by a guy that was pretty far away and couldn't see very much stuff. Like you could see him throw the flag. So it was a very dicey situation where there should have probably been offset penalties at, you know, the, the most. I don't think that that was a scuffle that should have been Missouri only. I, I thought we were going to have a full on fight in that game for a little while. Like I was, I was trying to to get Markel Lutz's name and call him and say, yo, they need you back in Columbia, man. If you remember him from the Florida brawl at halftime a couple of years ago. That game is chippy and these two teams don't like each other. Like that was no. very clear that you can tell uh, these two teams don't like each other. There is a, there is a budding rivalry uh, between Missouri and Kentucky. And I mean, he had quotes from players saying, Hey, we don't like Kentucky at all uh, during media days. I can't remember who said it, but I, it was Martez Manuel, And I wouldn't right. like somebody that beat me seven times in eight years either. Like this can't be a rivalry. If Missouri's not ever going to win it. That's true. Um, Which is another frustrating part about the entire thing is that so many of these games have been decided. And I, oh, I hate, I'm sorry. I shouldn't use the word decided because we also didn't score in the second half in 2018 whenever the the offensive or the pass interference call or whatever was called or lack thereof and whatever. But they but have come down to a call. They've come down right. to a call. And that's what's frustrating, especially like when you hear Kentucky fans chirping all the time. It's because they've been on the right side of these calls. And right. it just very as easily could have been swapped in but what was called or not. My favorite part of that, though, is the because it has happened three times, but is the well, SEC just looking out for for them. Yes, because Kentucky football is the golden <laughs> child of the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> That's the team that Greg Sankey is looking out for every Saturday. Have to protect the sanctity of the old SEC of the right, old guard. Right. K Kentucky football and, and Alabama basketball are the two teams right. that they really want to do well. And Kentucky football, that's never made an SEC championship, right. mind you, like ever. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not saying the calls haven't been bad. I'm not saying Missouri fans should be mad. I'm just saying it's not because the SEC really wants Kentucky to win eight games instead of seven. Right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think that uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the defense, but I think it kind of goes without saying that uh, defense obviously kept Mizzou in this game. I mean, it was 7-3 to three at halftime. It was 14-3 to three going into the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, you can't ask for anything more. For uh, for a team to hold, you, but you have to with this team. Like they have to score. Is what it comes down to. Is the defense yes. has to score. The defense I has would to say score. Points. The defense played an A minus B plus game. Like it wasn't their best game. It was plenty right. good to win, except that this team needs them to be perfect. I, I mean, they need to be absolutely perfect. They can't have the. You know, I think Kentucky converted two third downs on the opening drive. The game winning touchdown. On, uh, came on a third and 11, which was the only throw all day, by the way, that I saw Will Levis make that I saw. Uh, yeah, I guess I could see an NFL team taking him. You know, I mean, he's, he's a fine player. Don't get me wrong. He was the better quarterback in that game, but but I don't, this first round stuff is insanity. But he made some nice throws, but you can't tell your defense, you know, you, you can't give up four plays all day. That's, that's too many. That's <sighs> so frustrating to watch and just to see how good the defense does play. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it, Gabe, that maybe wasn't their best game that they had, but still a very good performance from the defense. Mm-hmm. And Missouri can't do anything with it. You only allow a team seven points at halftime and you can only muster three points yourself. That's not a good sign. You only allow a 14 points in three quarters and you can only muster three yourself again. And not a good three. sign. Barely yeah. three. We benefited of them having 12 men, which I didn't know. I didn't know that was reviewable. Um, I don't know why I didn't know that too many men was reviewable, but I'm glad it was the entire stadium knew that there were too many men on the, on the field. The only people that didn't were the referees who didn't call it. But the weird thing was the refs, like the refs never even signaled if the field goal was good because they were busy counting Kentucky players. It was like, I I don't, it, it was like Kentucky wasn't ready for the snap. But all of a sudden, Missouri saw the the play clock at three and just immediately rushed it and snapped it, which may have impacted the kick. But the refs weren't ready either because they were busy counting Kentucky players and nobody ever actually said if Mevis made the kick or not. Well, I didn't even think if we were ready because Connor Wood right. also ran on late. And I was like, what? So at first I thought that like when they weren't signaling that we were having an issue and like we were getting called with something. And then I'm like, wait, there are 12 men on the field right now. Or there were. So I don't know. It was a very weird play. We we did benefit that, but I mean, it was a penalty. It sh- should have been called. So it was a super sloppy game. Like it was two teams that looked like they were both not really interested in winning. I mean, I, like in the end, it didn't impact the game. But I was, I think I said I was offended as somebody who likes football in the last two minutes of the first half by what in the world the coaches were doing. I mean, you know, like Eli Drinkwitz calling timeouts to get the ball back to his offense that can't do anything and then taking a knee, but Mark Stoops not calling timeouts to force it. 
Right. I don't get it, man. It's like they it's like sometimes they need guys on the sidelines saying, you know, you know, this is what you should do here. Yeah. Oh, is it like like an offensive coordinator? <laughs> <laughs> like or just like I'm like me. I don't know. I knew what they should have done. <laughs> like us. They didn't even like the fans. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just put me on the headset, coach. Just give me give me in the headset. Like, look, I'm not saying I can call plays. I'm not saying I can do anything. But I can tell you when you should use a timeout. Yeah. That's it. I don't know. They might, they might, the fans might ask you if you're there to uh, ask Drink why he keeps running the screen pass yeah. because they heard that anymore while sitting in those stands. I was going to lose my mind. Run the screen pass because his offensive line can't protect for longer than a second. Um, yeah. That's why. That's why it happens. Um, but 19 penalties in this game, uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, it was a, it was a flag fest for sure. Um, Missouri <laughs> travels to take on, I don't know what number they are now. I didn't even pull it up. The game preview. Uh, the, the playoff rankings don't come out until Tuesday night. That's right. I, they will be, Tennessee will be either four or five this week. So they go to take on a college football contender, college football playoff contender. Uh, Missouri's 21-point dogs in this game. Um, take that as you will. I don't think this game will be close. Hendon Hooker, I think, is the legit real deal. I think that Kentucky is good, good. I do think that that game against Georgia, I do think that Tennessee is a legit national championship contender. I don't know. That game against Georgia was kind of weird. I thought that game would be a little bit closer, but I think that they could legit win a, a national title. I think they could probably beat Ohio State. They could probably beat Michigan, whichever one comes out of the Big Ten. Um, so this is a legit good team, um, and this is probably going to be the, the next – you know, we, we talked about this, Gabe, a couple episodes ago where you talk about one and two is going to be Tennessee and Georgia. Um, and, and, you know, you're trying to get to that number three with them uh, in the SEC East. Um, but, man, I don't I don't see this game going any remotely well. for. What would be a good day for the Missouri defense this weekend? Like, if Tennessee scores how many points, you say, you know what, that defense played pretty well. I mean, based on last year, I would say under 40 points. I mean, and I know that that sounds bad. But like, right. Maybe I should say 30, under 30 okay. points. So so let's say Missouri's defense plays pretty well and Tennessee scores 30. I, I mean, it's a we two touchdown. Lose. Like, like <laughs> how does Missouri come within two touchdowns? Yeah, no, Missouri's yeah. not going to score any points. I mean, um, the, the good news is, is that – Tennessee's defense isn't very good either, but we we played right, a lot but, of teams with not good defense. <laughs> right. I mean, they legitimately scored 17 against Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have scored. Outside of Abilene Christian and Louisiana Tech, they, they haven't scored more than 22 points, 23 points in a game. We love you know? 17. I feel like, well, we've had at least three games that yeah. we've scored 17 points. And, and and 17 just, I can't invent a world where that beats Kentucky. I know they just scored 13, but I, I don't know. I think this Missouri defense is really good. I'm not sure it's Georgia at this point. It's not. It's not going to be a Georgia defense. Um, no offense to the Missouri defense at all. Um, but mm-hmm. just like Georgia is just like a, on a different level. Like they got they got NFL dudes walking around there. I now Missouri's probably got a couple NFL dudes on there. Missouri's got some. Yeah, yeah, but they don't have they don't have the amount of uh of Georgia does. But I mean I don't think they can hold Tennessee to 13 points. 
Um, right. And and the thing that's the thing and that's, that's what it has. Too, that's what it would have to be. It would. The, the, the hard part is going to be is that that defense, that Missouri defense, is going to be on the field a whole lot uh, because Missouri's offense isn't going to be able to do anything against this Tennessee defense that isn't very good, but also is probably better than a lot of the defenses they face. Although the criticism of Josh Heupel's offense always has been that the opposing defense isn't on the field very much, That's right? Fair. Because they, even when they score, it takes like a minute and 12 seconds. So like time of possession means nothing to Josh Heupel. So the defense, I mean, when they're out there, it's super fast paced and running all over the place. They, it's a lot of plays. It may not be a lot of game time, but what that does require is an offense that is able to control the ball and move the chains. And again, we just... The reason this season is so, um, I don't know, put in whatever word you want, but it's just the same discussion every week. Like somebody said on our message board, we have the same arguments every week, guys. And I said, well, that's because they play the same game every week. You know, I mean, it's just the same thing. Another thing that I think won't help us with the Tennessee game, as, as opposed to the Georgia game, is playing at Neyland. I mean, they're going to hear, I mean, it's going to be the loudest environment they've ever played in. I would say almost every single one of those players Um, because even two years ago, for those that did play there two years ago, um, it's a different, it's a different vibe being a title contender. 108,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be different. It's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. And I think that our crowd helped us, you know, in that Georgia game for sure. Our defense most definitely it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for our offense to hear anything in that stadium. And and I saw some Missouri fans coming out of that game saying, Hey, well, maybe this sets up well, Tennessee's going to be let down because their season's done. It's not Tennessee has every chance to still make the college football playoff. Okay. I think a pretty good chance. Um, so they still have everything to play for. And like somewhere below the surface in this is, I doubt Josh Heupel has a lot of sympathy for Missouri fans. And I doubt Josh Heupel and Tennessee have a lot of sympathy for, even though he didn't mean it the way he was, it was taken. Missouri's head coach who kind of threw a barb at Tennessee again before the season started, you know, I I can't remember the exact comment, but it was, it, it was something about, you know, their, their record or what what his record could have been against Tennessee using not ineligible recruits or something like that. You know, I don't know if you guys remember that. It was preseason. Yeah. And he meant it as a joke. He meant it as saying kudos to Tennessee. I'm 0-2 against them. They've kicked my ass. But that's not the way it came across or was taken by Tennessee fans. Right. Yeah, I did actually forget about that until um, until you just mentioned that again. But you know what? I, I, I mean, <laughs> if the question is, has Eli Drinkwitz taken a shot at this team Missouri's about to play this week? The answer is usually yes, if we're yeah. being honest. Right. But we like lost by like, what, 40 something last year? Oh, so yeah. it's, oh yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm already that was hurt. Truly... They can't really hurt me anymore. I mean, I'm sure they could, but. I, I mean, I have seen 73-0 and 66-0 at Missouri. That Tennessee game was, like, right there with those. It was every bit as uncompetitive. It was embarrassing. Uh, I, I remember that that game just being like, oh, my goodness. Like, this it is, was bad. This is embarrassing. Um, yeah. 
I, I was just trying. I was like skimming through uh, Josh Heupel's comments from his his opening press conference. He didn't really say anything about Missouri. Just said they got a good defense. Um, preparing for defense. Not shocked. Um, Josh is elite at not saying anything. Absolutely um, elite. Like he, I remember one day he used to have his own press conferences here because the coordinator, the offensive coordinator did a press conference because at that time the head coach basically, he's like, hey, I don't know, talk to Hypel about the offense. And so we would talk to Hypel about the offense. And one day he does his 10, 15 minutes. And as he's walking out of the room, he just looked down at me and Dave Matter and said, but you guys got a lot out of that. <laughs> like he was so <laughs> proud of himself for saying absolutely nothing. <laughs> I wish we used like things that fans or whatever said about us as like motivation. Cause you know, for 10 years, like they've been saying like, you don't belong, you're this and that. And you, you feel like well, other teams use so much motivation against us. I'm like, why don't we use that? <laughs> well, I mean, Missouri tried like literally last week, Martez Manuel was saying, I, I talked to the team about how we have to beat Kentucky because nobody respects us in this league. But to do that, you got to go win the game. Yeah. You know? Is it, is it bad? I still wish that Missouri was in the big 12. Maybe that's a deeper will, conversation. I will uh, refrain public comment. We can we can direct message about that later. I don't <laughs> want to get people mad at me. That's fair. People can be mad at me that I still wish that we were in the Big Twelve. <laughs> um, but okay. Should and should, hang on real quick. Should we talk about two more years of of of, of Eli? Yeah. What What'd you guys think about that when it I when it came the, out? The timing was very odd to me. I yeah. think that if he would have beat Kentucky and they said, "Oh, two years," I'd have been like. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe. But before the game, I was confused. I did read like what you were talking about on Power Missoula a little bit, Gabe, and it was just like, it doesn't really mean that much. Like, you can still get out of it. It's like it only means that much if there's more money, if it costs more money to fire him than it would have last week. And we don't know that yet because the university hasn't released the contract yet. Right. But hey, I I mean, my very first thought was oh no they're gonna lose this game today and the takes are gonna be amazing and they were i i mean it like it's it's dumb obviously right because again it doesn't really mean that much like barry odom got a contract extension in december of 2018 and he was fired 12 months later you know um so they don't mean i mean jimbo fisher is under contract for eight more years and there's legitimately people going Yo, do you think they'll fire? <laughs> I mean, like it's contracts like, are stupid. I don't yeah. even know why anybody signs them at this. I think point, his contract's like get their money. His contract's like what eighty million or something. It's eighty six million dollars, I think. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, but so even though it was dumb, I was like, oh god, it's it's going to be amazing to see the comments if they lose this game, and it was not disappointing. Uh, there, the comments were there. It happened like early in the morning, right? I feel like it was like they released it at like nine fifteen because I I was I legitimately just picked up my bag. I was about to walk out of my house to go to the game, and I got a call. Hey, you're about to get an email contract extension. I'm like, oh, so I guess I'll just sit back down and write before I go to the game, and then that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I no, was I tailgating do. with my Twitter group chat. So when that came out, of course, you don't even have to chat about it. Like you're in person talking mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, I. I was confused, I think. Um, but I think that overall, as you mentioned, 
the years are kind of dummy years when it comes down to it. The NFL does this a lot with contracts as they put dummy years on the end of it mm-hmm. uh, to kind of uh, so they can opt out of them, stuff like that. Whatever, um, I guess, whatever makes the university happy. But I guess the appearance of having stability in the program is good, and that's kind of the way that I spun it in my tweet. But, like, I don't know. The timing was weird. I don't know why they didn't wait just till the end of the season. To announce anything or till the well because what if the they're game? five and seven right yeah but, but i think being but, five and right. seven wouldn't have done anything like i think that five and seven you know it'd been like okay like, fine yeah yes. um i i think i mean i guess you have to announce it when it's done right and it was done i mean it's not yeah. going to stay quiet for three weeks so you have to say something at some point um but again so at the end of this year, under his previous contract, they would owe him $8.4 million if they fired him. At the end of next year, they would owe him 5.6. The only thing I care about is what those numbers are now. What is the number that you are going to owe him if you fire him after 2023? Because it is still certainly on the table that you're going to be in a position where that's what you need to do after 2023. And so Hey, if it's we owe him six million instead of five point six, whatever. I don't care about that. If it's we owe him eleven million instead of five point six, then Jimmy Sexton just took Missouri out back and 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 did unspeakable things to them. Right. Yeah. That that's going to be interesting to see. Um. I. Yeah. It's it was it was confusing. I I'm still just trying to figure it out. I. I've kind of blocked it out of my memory. I've got a memory like a goldfish. Um, so it's one of those things where like after the game happened, I was focused yeah. on what was happening during the game. And then I was telling you guys before the podcast, I was focused on Missouri basketball. And I had to remember what happened to Missouri football just because I can only focus on one thing at one thing at a time. So um, you're like, you're probably not old enough to get this reference, but you're like Kelly Bundy on married with children. Like you, you have room for a finite number of things in your head. And so every time you learn a new thing, the older thing just leaves your memory entirely. It's exactly what happens. Um, it is. It's exa- I am, I am a quarterback coach's dream because I cannot remember the, the last play. Um, that is, I've got the, I've got a memory of a good quarterback. Um, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But let's move on and talk about Missouri basketball now. Um, they've had two games. One of them counted. The other one didn't. Um Gabe, you were there for both, correct? I was, yeah. I want to know firsthand your thoughts on the Dennis Gates experience. Um, 
I, I mean, so far it's been what you would want it to be, uh, relatively comfortable wins, you know, um, playing a lot of guys. The most interesting thing that I think has happened in these two, in the exhibition in the first game, is he basically has said, I am experimenting with things and I'm kind of messing with my guys to see how they react. I mean, he said after the exhibition, he said, I was intentionally taking guys out off the floor before they were in a rhythm to see how they did. Then last night when, uh, when Southern Indiana suddenly began shooting like Michael Jordan and space jam, you know, and, (laughs) or like, like the Larry bird, uh, you know, commercial for McDonald's where he was like off the window, all that, that was Southern Indiana in the second half. And Gates said after the game, he said, I could have changed defenses. I could have gone to something else. I could have called timeout. I, there's a lot of things I could have done, but I didn't want to, because I wanted them to have to figure it out. And I kind of like it because there was no point where you thought Missouri was losing that game. So if they do have to play through that, Maybe there's a benefit, you know, against Arkansas in a month and a half or against Illinois or whatever, where they can kind of look back and say, hey, we've we've been through something like this before and coach let us figure it out. And and, and I think that kind of fits with with what the guys uh, last week, I think it was Sean East. I asked him to describe what it's like playing for Coach Gates. And he said it's structured freedom. Like he lets us do what we want for the first eight to 10 seconds. Then if we haven't gotten it done, then he's going to call out a set. And, and we're going to do, you know, what he wants us to do, but he's going to give us the chance to go make a play first, uh, which I, I, look, I, li- I like it. I think it's good. Yeah. I, I, watched, was, yeah, go I watched the whole, I watched the whole game too. Um, and, you know, like you said, there was no real point in that game. Did I think that we were going to lose? I mean, the game was, it was 97 to 91 and they made a bank shot three with a couple mm-hmm. seconds left. I mean, right. It, it was closer to a 10-point game almost the entire time. Um, I mean, we were up 20, so I can't, you know, whatever. I, but you can't control. this. It had Norfolk State written all over it. That's exactly how it felt where they were. It was just like, what can you do? We didn't play badly. Like, yeah. even in that Norfolk State game, they didn't play badly. I, Norfolk State just didn't miss until the next game when they played Florida and they couldn't make anything. But that's just kind of what it was. I mean, we're not going to allow 15 threes by every team that we play. We're not, they're not going to be banking in threes all the time. I just, I felt I had so much more fun watching them play Southern Indiana than I had watching them play almost every game last year. The Auburn game was kind of fun, but any other game I didn't have (laughs) fun. And I had a lot more fun watching last night. 15 for 30. Is what uh, Southern Indiana after, ended on the day. After one for 13 in the first half. Right. So the clip that they were on, close to 75% to get to where they were. Uh, had, they were not missing. Had So they scored uh, 28 points in the last 447 of that game. Like if you extrapolate that over the entire game, they would score 224 points in the Division <laughs> One basketball game. It's incredible. People were saying things about the defense as well. They're like, well, the defense was so bad. They gave up this many. They only shot a few less free throws in the first half than they or I'm sorry, three pointers in the first half than they did the second half. Right. They just, they just weren't made. making them. They just weren't making them in the mm-hmm. first half. 
I mean, and that's why when people were like, well, that was a defensive issue, uh, they were run, they were playing the same defense. They just weren't making them. So you've kind I of, also you also think three-point defense, I think, is kind of overrated. I mean, 22-foot jump shots, sometimes they go in and sometimes they don't. Right now, sometimes you can yeah. contest them and all that. I get it. But it's not like you have five guys out on the three-point line with a hand in somebody's face all the time. Yeah, that Lakes kid just wasn't missing, is the fact of the matter. He was throwing stuff. It was reminding me, have you seen Along Came Polly when they're at, they're playing outside of basketball and he, the guy's like, rain man, and like, let it rain, and just like shooting the ball. It's just like wildly, that's how he looked like he was shooting, but the ball was going in the hoop every time. Right. Yeah. Kobe Brown, 20 points. Uh, Nick Honor with 10. DeAndre Golson, 11. Demoy Hodge, 11. Sean East with 12, Trey Gamillion with 12 as well. Uh, listen, I've been really impressed with Sean East and a little bit we've been able to see of him. I think that he, uh, I've been encouraged with, with with how he looks handling the ball. That's what Missouri's really been missing, I think, a lot is, is, a, is a ball handler. Uh, and, and Nick honors that as well. well Nick honors well, one of those guys that are, can. Are you going to tell me that you didn't like the Boogie Coleman takes one step across midcourt picks up his dribble, turns his back to the basket. You didn't like that play? Yeah, I'm going to tell you I did Because Missouri like that. ran that play a lot last year. Yeah. Uh, they they missed – they were they were missing a competent ball handler to bring the ball up the floor. Uh, and they've got a couple, I think, when you when you start to look at uh, – Nick Honor is, is a guy that is going to be valuable, I think, to this team. Uh, CY talked about him a lot on our conversation about just how you know he can hit the open three. He's he's a guy who's been around the block. He was at Clemson. He's about one of the only guys that played at the high major level uh, that's on this team. So I think his his experience is going to be valuable. You could see it on the court. He he was on the court a long time. I don't know. Uh, twenty three minutes didn't didn't play. I mean Kobe Brown obviously played twenty nine. He's probably going to lead the team in minutes. I'd assume uh, just because he is. It's fair to say he's the best player on the team. He had a double-double yeah, in the first so. half. In the first yeah, half, yeah, he had I, a double-double. So. I think he's clearly their best player. As of like now, I mean, I don't want to. At this level, and nobody else has. Right. You know? I don't want to. I don't want to pigeonhole myself into anything yet, um, because you could see, who knows, Demoy Hodge come out and and be a baller, um, and be the best player on this team. So, uh, as of now, Kobe Brown, balling out. Uh, love to see it. Twenty points, fourteen boards. Uh, overall, I've, I was impressed with kind of how they played, uh, Jared Sutton, you know, you, you, you could listen to a podcast of him, him on, uh, this same here network with the border war podcast. He was on the call. I thought uh, he did a very good job as well. I know, you, you know, I don't know if you were listening to the call game, but, uh, Jared Sutton, very good. I thought Jared Sutton doing very good. Um, I actually I wrote down, I actually wrote down to be a shout out Jarrett Sutton. Cause I also thought yeah. he did a very good job. And I mean, it's always cool to see a Mizzou alum. And I actually went to school at the same time for a couple of years while he was there. And I had some classes with him. Um, so yeah, that was, it was super cool to hear him do that. And he did great. They had, uh, I, I looked up a couple numbers this morning. So last year they averaged 66 possessions a game. They had 81 last night. Um, oh, and wow. then, Last year, they had a turnover percentage of 21.6, which means they turned the ball over on 21.6% of their possessions. That ranked 339th. Last night, it was 13.6, which would have ranked sixth in, in college basketball last year. So, how, Out of how better. many? Uh, how 363, many? I think. Yeah, okay. Like All right. I thought it was I thought it was something close, like 
close yeah. to that. So um, it was, I, I mean, anything that starts with the three, it's not, not great. Unless it's just three. <laughs> three is good. But. Right. Um, yeah, no, uh, in Southern Indiana, Screaming Eagles, uh, cool yeah. nickname. That is a super cool nickname. Um, next uh, next game up for uh, the Missouri Tigers, they take on the vaunted Penn Quakers. Yes. Um, and, and they they come to, to Mizzou Arena. Uh, Missouri has not had to travel yet, so we don't know how this team reacts to a road uh, road circumstance. But uh, Friday, November the 11th at 7 p.m. at Mizzou Arena, the Penn Quakers uh, take on Dennis Gates, Missouri Tigers. Um, I think a lot of this, uh, a lot of this time here in this early, I guess, well, it's a non-conference schedule. I wanted to say preseason, but I was like, I know that's not right. The non-conference schedule is going to be feeling out this team. And I think Dennis Gates, I mean, Gabe, as you said, Dennis Gates is doing the same thing. Dennis Gates is still trying to figure out what he, he got here. Dude got here in March. Uh, so, like, he's just still, like, trying to figure some stuff out um, with what he has with these guys on the floor, getting them in some actual games here is good to see that and getting him in some situations. And and I kind of like the, the process he's going after it. I like that he said that, you know, he wanted him to figure it out when uh, Southern Indiana could not miss. Like they were throwing a beach ball in the ocean uh, type of type of uh, shooting. But I, I, I'm encouraged by the direction. I like the players that they've got on the floor. Um, I think the only concern that I have is the size. Uh, they yeah. need they need some size, um, but I don't know if they can do anything about that now. I, I can uh, I can speak from experience. You generally, once you are, you know, twenty twenty one, are not going to get taller. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's it, unfortunate, but it's just true. Uh, but it, one one last thing I th- think bears mentioning: uh, the Missouri student section was impressive last night. Uh, mm. it, it looked like the rest of the arena didn't look like you know some of the the games that we're used to, but the student section did, and that is a. The smartest thing that Desiree Reed Francois has done is told the students we're keeping track of the games you go to. And if you want priority for the Kansas game, you better go to the other games. So you're going to have kids at that game so they can go to KU. I wish there was a way to do it for alumni too, Um, Mm. you know, uh, but that's a little unfair to people that are trying to come from Kansas City and St. Louis. I mean, I don't blame anybody who doesn't spend four hours in the car for a two-hour game that is on TV. You know, basketball is a is a sport that has to be more supported by the people within 45 minutes of campus because yeah. most people aren't are coming from Casey and St. Louis. But that student section was nuts. Um, she uh, she was throwing out ice cream bars to him during a timeout uh, at the exhibition. I actually uh, I saw her talking. Uh, and joking with the antlers before the game. And and I was talking to her and I said, I don't didn't know that someone in your position was allowed to be friends with the people in their position or <laughs> to get along with them. And she said, what do you mean? I said, Oh, that has not been a friendly relationship for about 20 years now. Um, but she is bringing, she's trying to bring back. I mean, you know, I wish, I honestly wish they could still go back to Hearns because I loved the environment there, but mm-hmm. Mizzou arena, we've been in it when it can be, pretty wild. I mean, I, I still remember Fran Fraschilla in the Christian Moody game saying it's the loudest place he'd ever heard. And it does hold 15,000 people. And we've seen it for some of Mike Anderson's teams and, and that first year of Frank Haith, when it can be even, even honestly, the, the Iowa state game where, you know, for, for 142 glorious seconds of Michael Porter jr. That place was, was bananas. So it can be that way. It's, 
I, look, it's not going to be that way for Penn, but they're trying to do some things to bring them back. And I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Now they have to win. I think you're, you're spot on about getting people from around the area to go to games. And because, I mean, that game started at 7 p.m. If you get off at 5 o'clock and you live in Kansas City or St. Louis, you're not making it yeah. by tip-off. So mm-hmm. it is big, and I hate to put that on the shoulders of people that live in Columbia, but it shouldn't be that hard to put 15,000 people in the stands when the student section make up a large portion of that. And like you said, they looked great. Props to the student section. It looked fun. It reminded me of when I was at Mizzou because I was there during – the Damari Carroll and you know, all of that. So it was, it was super fun to be there. And the cool thing to do was go to basketball games. So I'm hoping they keep that up as well. I do want to say though, if you're listening and you're an alum and you own those rich, expensive seats (laughs) that are down low, like give your ticket to somebody. If you're not going to go like ask somebody in, in the area, if they want it, because if you're just saving it for the big game, the KU game and stuff, I mean, just give the other tickets to somebody else. Let somebody else go. And so it looks like there's people in that arena because I'm sure a lot of people would love to have seats like that. And it just looks so much better when those gold seats, those gold seats are so bright. Like you can see every mm-hmm. single empty gold seat. So yeah, give your tickets away. Maybe they should have changed the color to like black or something. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm no, I'm no arena expert. <laughs> but, but when it comes to seat colors, it's like when the seats are red, you can really tell when people aren't in the stands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like with the Chiefs and stuff like that. You talk about the the seat color, like the Royals having blue seats. The Royals' attendance hasn't been too great the past couple of years, um, so you can really tell when there's nobody in the stands. Uh, and gold, I think, is the same color. You can really tell. Um, some of the videos I saw from the scrimmage, I believe that was – was that free to attend? The, the scrimmage the wash you game the, yeah the wash you yeah. game yeah i guess it was an exhibition it wasn't actually a scrimmage but um it was not very heavily attended um, no i'd say 2500 maybe yeah I, but i don't most people didn't even people. know what was happening though they scheduled it like a week beforehand i you know that's yeah it goes um but yeah no i was impressed by the student section uh by the turnout um i mean i'm encouraged i i'm, I'm curious i should say to see what the 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 turnout is for a Friday night game um, at, yeah. against Penn, that that'll be interesting to see. A three game week uh, for Mizzou as they have you know Southern Indiana they ha- happen on Monday, Penn on Friday, then Lindenwood on Sunday. Um, now Lindenwood is not going Great. to. Uh, they're in the same conference, I believe, as uh, Southern That's Indiana. Eagles, so yeah. They're going. And they're both going are newly. Valley. Yeah, they're both newly D1. And I just learned also yesterday that um, as a first year D1 team, you cannot play in the NCAA tournament, which I did not know that either mm. because we were talking about like last night, me and like in my Twitter group chat, we were like, oh, this could be a team that could, you know, scare some people if they had to play them and they got hot like that and they were like oh they can't play in the first round or in the i think that happened to Bellarmine last year that's uh, what Bellarmine they, they used that example one and they yep. won their conference tournament and weren't allowed to play in the ncaa holy cow i didn't yeah. know that um wow learn something new every day well yeah no I, that's why start. we're here tucker we're just here to educate <laughs> you man love to see it um <laughs> off to a good start in missouri basketball um Hopefully it can distract you from Missouri football for a little bit. Uh, that's that's the goal. So uh, thank you all for listening to today's Mizzou That's Who. Shout out to Charlie Hustle 
We got a new Kansas City Sports Network line. Uh, yeah. Maggie rocking the shirt. I'm rocking the hoodie. Those are the two things that you can get. Uh, you can check the link below uh, or to go to charliehustle.com to get whatever you want uh, for Charlie Hustle. Uh, the link in our description below is to get these KC Sports Network the hoodie, the T-shirt. Go support us. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week talking probably some more hoops and probably some more football, uh, depending on what happens. Maybe we don't talk football. Maybe after the Tennessee game, we just <laughs> say, you know what? We're, we are now a basketball podcast. Um, that could happen <laughs> until Missouri plays Arkansas. Um, so we'll see. Come in. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But thank you all for listening all the way to the end. Let us know how you like the show. Leave a leave a five-star rating and review if you feel so inclined. Make sure to like the video and subscribe. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Mizzou That's Who podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.